podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Video podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about our favourite topic, Liverpool Football Club. So let's begin it once again. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. It's been a little while since we last spoke. It has, my friend. And uh, although it's been a little while, we've only had two Reds games. Um, I don't know how you were feeling. Let's just talk about the first part first. I don't know how you were feeling about the layoff, but I think think I'd have to go and openly admit that I enjoyed it, Jan. Uh, I was finding the whole thing quite stressful. I know we ended that last run with a decent result, but I was finding it all a bit kind of difficult, uh, the negativity and all the rest. I didn't mind too much having the little break. How did you find it? Well, it's, it sort of depends on what you think is going to help the team, isn't it? You know, yeah. I think previously, I think we would have wanted to dive straight back in. Let's play. Let's get going, innit? Uh, but it, I did feel that the longer break, obviously international football, uh, but, but the longer break from domestic football would have maybe benefited us. Uh, but I think we're in a situation now, Trevor, where we haven't found a trigger, have we? We haven't found anything to get our season going, whether that's a break, whether that was a 9 0 winning against Bournemouth or whatever. Nothing has triggered our season uh, as of yet. Uh, so we're very much still in the same position, aren't we, after the Brighton and Rangers games where I don't think you can really take a lot from either game. Uh, in, in, in terms of how you would like to, to, to move forward and how you'd like to play over over the next couple of weeks. I'm still I'm still quite content though, and I still think that there is something that'll trigger our season back to maybe not the level that we were, but it'll trigger us back to being competitive. And by competitive, I think we're talking top four, aren't we? Yeah, which does seem a massive climb down in and of itself, obviously. And and, and people are going to have difficulty coming to terms with that as a reality. And uh, even though it's as clear as the nose on our respective faces uh, as we speak, I think it's the truth what you say. That's where we need to at least set the bar now, which is get back to the level of competitiveness that would see us at least guarantee that. And then if something happens, something happens, we go on a run, we go on a run. Um, we all know what 10, 8, 9, 10 victories on the, on the hop can do for you in this league. It's uh, quite a remarkable thing to see what can happen. Um, but we seem so many miles away from that. And it's very interesting to hear you use that phrase, the trigger, and see if there's anything that will trigger this change. Um, because for you, you're still seeing that as a thing that's in the distance. And an awful lot of people will have been focusing very much on what happened in the week against Rangers in terms of the uh, shape change and hope that that is 
the specific trigger, the inclusion of our new striker might be the trigger. So I look forward to kicking that one around with you. But as you say, we have to start with the first of the games that um, have occurred since we last spoke. And we may not do too much on it because an awful lot of people will have found this um, to be a difficult one to talk about. And there will have been quite a lot of negativity, no doubt, in the in the aftermath and a lot of analysis. But just I do want to get your take on what happened against, Bright- against Brighton because... Um, it was the first time I think in, uh, no, sorry, the second time in about five years where I've actually missed a game and it was just purely that the technical bullshit stuck here in the sticks and I couldn't, I just couldn't get the game. Um, so I missed the entirety of the first half, saw the second. And it seems as if what I missed was the most shambolic part of it, uh, despite the fact that it was quite shambolic to see us cough up a lead um, at that stage of a match as well. It was very frustrating outing, I thought, Jan. Um, not a whole lot to recommend it, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, not too many lads who could walk, like they used to say to us when we were playing football as kids, um, can you walk off that field with your head held high? If you can do that, then you've done it. I don't think there were too many people who, who were in that bracket after Brighton. What was your overall take from it? And did you? I, I, I'm going to go out on the limb and, and guess that you weren't as negative as some of the more negative people, but probably not a lot to be too cheerful about either in it. I, I don't think there was, Trevor. I was a bit like you. I was travelling back from London uh, because of the train strikes. When I was driving, was listening on the radio, uh, and obviously get an idea of a game listen listening on the radio. I never saw the Saturday night match of the day till Sunday night when I came back from the Etihad, and, and I couldn't quite believe it. I couldn't quite believe how we played in that first half. Uh, and then eventually Monday, I got a chance to watch it again on Liverpool TV. And uh, it's almost impossible to find something really, really positive. Uh, yes, yeah, some people would point to the fact that being 2-0 down and, and coming back and, and leading 3-2, but is that then the positive when you're throwing away the lead yet again? So it was a real sort of, you know, I travelled back from Denmark leading up to the game with a, with a, with a plane full of Danish Liverpool fans, you know, all going to Anfield and all thinking, this is what we need, pointing to things that Trent not having played in this last uh, uh, break, which is good for him, and Mo Salah getting his goals. And, you know, we sort of point out all sorts of positives. And, and this is where we start, you know, also because... After the Brighton game, you're looking forward to the Arsenal and the Manchester City game. And yeah, you think, well, you know, a couple of results and with a game in hand, it might just be five, six, seven points, isn't it? But, and you mentioned before the ability to win eight, nine, or 10 games, which we've had in the four, last four years. But I think you'd have to be a brave man to suggest that we're in that mood at the moment, isn't it? You know, I think it's just, it's just finding wins from somewhere. Uh, quite how, I don't know. Interesting, you mentioned the formation. Chains on on uh, Tuesday against Rangers, a sort of four four two. Would we be brave enough to play that against Arsenal, Manchester City, the, currently the two best teams in, in in the Premier League? It'll certainly be interesting. Yeah, th- there's there's a lot to kick about. I suppose my takeaway from the Brighton match was to pick something positive. Was it was nice to see uh, Bobby Firmino continue the uh, positive signs. Um, I don't think our goalkeeper, despite the fact that three went past them um, could uh, be referred to as anything other than excellent on the day. Uh, probably kept us in the game when uh, it could have been really, really cripplingly embarrassing uh, in the first half. Yeah, and we could have been 
dead and buried. Um, but Allison is what Allison is. And sometimes you don't mind relying on a good goalkeeper when um, things are generally not bad and you have an off day. Because as Klopp would say, and as we've said in the show before, that's what a good goalkeeper's for, for those kind of games. Um, but when it's every week that we need him to be excellent in order to pull out average results, uh, that's when you start getting a little bit worried. So I thought aside from the two Brazilian lads, there wasn't a whole lot. And I've, honestly, I don't know if Bobby played all that well. Then ironically, to shift the focus to last night or Tuesday night, excuse me, where, which is a little bit fresher in the minds for people, um, you know, the, the, the Champions League game against Rangers, I think an awful lot of people would have liked to see Firmino play, not necessarily because his form was so fantastic, but because looking at that shape which Klopp went with, it would have seemed, I think, to an awful lot of people that perhaps Firmino would have been a better fit than Jota in that kind of role. Um, and again, you refer to it as a 4-4-2, other people look at it as a 4-2-3-1. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that you can observe that on the day because our front players tend to be quite fluid in the way that they move. So I, I, I always get a little bit leery when people are very insistent on how we are lining up. But it did seem to be essentially looking at a double pivot of Henderson and Thiago. And I, for one, Jan, was nervous as a little kitten about that as a partnership that might work. I think Jordan can do very well in that six role. Um, but he hasn't been in good form. I think Thiago can do very well in any role. But he wasn't in great form after the last outing either. So I was nervous that that didn't work. Now, we have to be honest, Jan, as a standard of opposition, there's not a lot in that Rangers team. We, we just have to be honest and say that. I mean, they're a championship side at best, that kind of level. In my humble opinion, maybe I've got that totally wrong. Please tell me if I have. Um, so we can't get too excited, but some positive signs. So let's start with that idea of how the restructure happened and how you saw that shape. And as I said, some people looking at it like you did, some people looking at it as a 4-2-3-1, whatever way you look at it, there's a lot of chit-chat about how we have more protection for our defence. I'm not sure it worked that way, but what did you make of the shape? I mean, I was a bit like you, and you're, you're looking at it during the game and you're thinking, now it's a 4-4-2, now it's a 4-2-3-1. Uh, the reason that I mentioned the 4-4-2 is that Klopp in the press conference after the game said, it was a 4-4-2. I was meant to be a 4-4-2, but of course, being flexible uh, without any uh, sh- shadow of a doubt. I mean, when I, when I was a manager, and it's a long time ago, when my, I was a bit like Rob. I was a 4-3-3 man generally, but I could also play 4-2-3-1. But my go-to system, when it needed to be organised, uh, was always 4-4-2. I think it's the easiest way of organising a team uh, in, in that sometimes without 4-3-3, there is gaps. I mean, there is gaps in any system. But I think the 4-4-2 fills the pit better than any other system if you want to be more organised than, than normal. So I come back to, you know, you mentioned, I thought John Henderson did OK. I thought Thiago hmm. did OK. Yeah. Uh, my problem always is, Trevor, and I guess you would have had an eye on this as well, and you're thinking, well, OK, replace those Rangers players with, Martin Odegaard and Saka and Martinelli or Kevin De Bruyne or even that boy from Norway. I don't know what his name is. Um, <laughs> fella, the fellow who's struggling to settle in. Yeah, that uh, lad. <laughs> yeah, that lad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just, that's what I was trying to do during the game. I'm just 
trying to work out if we replace those Rangers players with with with, with a higher quality of, of opposition, what would then happen? Uh, so generally, and I, I don't think we've been here very often, Trevor, maybe three or four times in the years we've done this podcast, where I'm now looking forward to see the starting lineup on Sunday and the formation, you know, mm-hmm. just to see where, where I mean, Klopp's a 4-3-3 man. You know, there's no way, two ways about that, isn't it? So I generally can't wait to, to, to see not how brave he is. Because we know he's a brave manager, isn't it? But where he's at, isn't it? Where he's feeling. And this is the one thing that we that we, we maybe find a bit more difficult to gauge, isn't it? He looks at his team and he goes, currently the best way of playing is this. And I think we'll see that on Sunday. Uh, because I think those two games, Arsenal and Manchester City, in terms of our setup would be very similar. Of course, it won't be very similar if you go to Arsenal and pick a formation and, 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 and get beaten heavily, isn't it? But I think at the moment, I think Klopp's got the same idea for both games. Whatever that is, you know, half past three on, on, on Sundays when we'll get it. But I am looking forward to seeing the team and to see what, what plans he has. And, and of course, also, you know, Fabinho, uh, it, it, it's a big call, isn't it? You know, it's not a big call for people who don't support Liverpool, but it's a big call for us, isn't it, Trevor? You know, here we got one of the best uh, number six in the world, isn't he? You know what I mean? And kind of dropped for the United game early in the season and now kind of dropped again, isn't he? You know, it's all very good. We can say rested, isn't it? But I don't think he's, I don't think he was rested. I think he was left out because of how poorly he's played. This is where I was hoping you'd go because it was my next question for you anyway. And I ask some sort of a innocent question on the back of seeing the selection against Rangers um, and put it out there on Twitter, like, what's the story with Fabinho? Because, you know, as you've already alluded to, he's he's a, he's a starter, even if his form hasn't been tremendous. He, he's one of those guys we, we want in the team. Um, and... In the aftermath, I got an awful lot of uh, references to some sort of falling out that had occurred in the match that I didn't see the start or the end of. And apparently there was some sort of confrontation between Klopp and Fabinho at the end of that Brighton game, apparently. That was news to me. I hadn't seen that. Um, And so I wasn't able to form any any opinion about that. Um, Usually I'd be all over any of those little references, but no, this was news to me. I don't know if you heard about this, so I'll ask you that in a sec. But the second thing is the idea of dropping him. It's a remarkable shout because, I mean, nobody was any good against Brighton. Nobody. Um, And, you know, the captain... um, was 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 it was it, a big shout? It was a big shout by the manager to to do that, as you as you quite rightly say. So a couple of things: if you think he was dropped, would you honestly think that it was merited on the form? Because an awful lot of people have, have have been eager to point out that he's been very poor. Um, and uh, if so, did you hear anything about this supposed rift? And do you think there's anything to it? Totally new to me, that, Trevor. That's the first yeah. thing I've heard of any riff. Yeah. And I also think that club is that type of a manager, isn't it? It's, 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 it's very emotional, isn't it? You know, the, 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 the games, the 90 minutes plus whatever, it's very emotional, isn't it? It's very sort of aggressive. We, we play in an aggressive way, isn't it? Club is aggressive on, on the touchline, isn't it? So I couldn't imagine uh, that should be any reason for club not to pick Fabinho. I think he'd be more pissed off if Fabinho turned up five minutes late for training. You know, I think that's the type of manager we've got, isn't it? Uh, very, very punctual, isn't it? I just find it interesting, Charlie, that after two games, 
and we then go to Old Trafford, and we then found a need to leave out Fabinho and play Milner instead. Uh, and then we had a run of games again, uh, and then we we changed the system, uh, and still he doesn't figure, you know. Has he, has he? No, he hasn't played well. I don't think there's any Liverpool fans who go. He's played well enough, but has he played any worse than anyone else? So I always have this thing: is that you leave somebody out if there's somebody in his position that's playing particularly well who deserves to be in that team. Uh, and, and I only go for my own experience is the book. You would never leave stroke a senior player out unless the replacement was knocking the door down. And I don't think that's been the case either. So I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit baffled, and that's another reason. Maybe it's the very reason that I can't wait for the team sheet on Sunday. You know, because yeah. you, you, right now is where you get an idea, Trevor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 and you think We're about it. We're in the it. trenches now, aren't we? We're in the trenches. It's it's scrapping time, Jan, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, these, and, and, these two games go against us, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's a long season, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a long fucking season, yeah. man. That, yeah. that, you're so right because it, 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 everything rests now on these next few games, and I think people, I think people are really feeling that. I think that of the tension of it, I've no doubt the players are because, like you say, the Arsenal game goes against us. Everybody gives up all hope, and even the top four talk might start getting sneered at. The Rangers game, the second one goes against us. Well. Forget about it because then it's a real dogfight in that Champions League group, and I wouldn't back us at that point, which is a terrible thing to have to admit. But when you see the form that Napoli are capable of, and you know that Ajax will have their back to the wall, and if we're coughing up points to Rangers, then we're capable of coughing up points to anybody. So that's how big they are. But then, as you say, we roll straight into um, the biggest test of this of the season for any club, which is facing that lot with that lad. Um, so, yeah, more of that later on for sure. But just to pick out a little bit more about the Rangers part, I was a bit disparaging there about them as as opposition, I think, possibly a bit too much. But what do you make of them as a side? And do you think the home advantage, the sort of very partisan atmosphere? Oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm trying to, I'm leaning into cliches, Jan. Do you think those are the things that might make a difference or should we have any nerves about dispatching them because my feeling is, on a different night, Darwin Nunes has two or three goals. Mo Salah has a goal or two. It's a five-nil match on a on a different night. So that, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we're just we're just literally too good for them. But we've been caught out like that a couple of times this year. What's what's your take on them as a as the standard of of them as opposition? So obviously, for them, it's a massive game, uh, and that energy that their fans couldn't bring to the game at Anfield, they'll be able to bring in the home game. They'll be inside that stadium 45 minutes before kick-up, building up an atmosphere because they know that's their only chance, isn't it? You know, you create atmosphere in the stands, hoping then for that to to, to, uh, to help the players, and that's their only chance. Because the atmosphere is fantastic, won't give them better players, but it might give them, as they say, wings, isn't it? You know what I mean? They, they might just feel that the things that Morellas couldn't do at Anfield, he might just get a chance and he's a goal scorer. Ryan Kent might get a chance, might he in behind Trent to, to do what he does which is based around pace, isn't it? Uh, so there's always there's always that bit, isn't it? Until you get control of a game you know, and that's been our big struggle, hasn't it? You know, find that <coughs> find ourselves behind early in games and then struggling really uh, to gain control of games and that would be my biggest fear. And do you think, being honest, 
in, in your appraisal of what they had to offer, that there's enough there. I mean, you mentioned a few of their lads and just to just to, to remind a few people of some of those names, like on the night, yeah, Morelos was was incredibly quiet. Uh, Kent was very limited in what he could do. Lundstrom and Davis, they looked like the kind of journeyman characters that you might expect to find in a in a in a in a Scottish Premier League side. Tillman looks like he has something about him. Uh, I I thought possibly the decent player Tavernier is not bad. Uh, I like Goldson in defence. I thought he did quite well. Uh, obviously Ben Davies in there and King. The fellas they brought off the bench though, Jan. That was where I thought you started to see a little bit from them because. I mean, it, you know it's bad when even the lads on BT can point out what's happened in terms of the tactical changes in the game. And uh, they were able to stretch it a bit. They were able to fire an out ball and have it stick or have a bit of pace. Uh, and in Cholak, they've got someone who has been scoring goals, didn't do it now on the night, and we were very lucky, and we needed a point-blank save from Allison to keep our clean sheet. But in Kamara and Sakala, they took those two guys on. Uh, even Ryan Jack to an extent and Matondo they were lads who were very game uh, and I think maybe their manager uh, Van Bronckhorst might have might have a change of heart around his starting lineup based on what he saw from those subs again that's just my read did you see anything there that he could maybe muck about with for the next game yeah I did um, there's possibly he might start one or two of those uh, simply just to get something going, isn't it? Because they can't afford to play the way they did at Anfield at home, because the fans won't put up with that. So you might just go, listen, we need some pace, we need some trigger, we need somebody to be able to take on Liverpool. And so, yeah, there'll be changes. There's no doubt in my mind, there'll be changes, but not a lot, but there will be some changes. To just look at the Reds for a second, one of the changes that could have occurred, I mean, listen, we have to be we have to be honest, after Brighton, they could have all been changed out, really, like I say, with the uh, exception of Ali and, and, and maybe maybe Luis Diaz, who came on and did well uh, in that game. Um, but I'm looking at I'm looking at the Reds lineup on the night and I'd say Joel Matip was a little bit nervous because you have Joe Gomez back. Uh, doing bits and 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 Ibu Kanate thankfully back on the bench for that game as well. Uh, that's very encouraging for us. Uh, I'm a massive fan of the Matip Van Dijk partnership. I I still think it's our best, but he looked very very shaky, atypically so against Brighton. As did Virgil, who made a mistake for one of the goals. So I guess what I'm getting at is that anything could have happened there by way of of our our selection, and it's bringing me back full circle to talk about what you had already mentioned. This is probably, in many ways, as up for grabs as it's been, especially as the squad starts to fill out. Because you're looking at our bench on the night there, and like I say, there is Gomez, Fab's on the bench, Canate's on the bench, Jimmy Miller, who's getting more starts than most people would would like, um, Bobby Firmino's on there, Harvey Elliott's on there, Carvalho's on there. And even uh, the likes of Calvin Ramsey, who it appears is actually a real person uh, uh, and has recovered enough to to take a, a squad number and be on the bench. Uh, and we rounded it out with the kid um, Bacetic and uh, Nat Phillips was on there and Kelleher. The squad's starting to look healthier, I suppose, is the short version of what I'm saying. And to me, it does feel in this atmosphere of change that Klopp is talking up himself that it's more up for grabs now than ever, that some of those guys who we're, we're referring to as senior men could well be getting nervous about hanging on to that shirt, especially, I would think, if one of these games goes the wrong way. 
Yeah, he's never been in a position where he's had to make decisions like he's got to make now, uh, you know, because of the way that we simply played is then. So, yes, we accepted that from game to game he would rest somebody. Uh, but but I think right now it's more than looking to rest somebody, isn't it? You know, I think if Konate plays at Arsenal, uh, then you might start to think that maybe his preferred partnership going forward is Van Dijk and, 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 and Konate. Uh, but that goes for, for people further ahead as well, isn't it? I mean, I think he played Shotter. You mentioned Shotter before. I think he played Shotter because he wanted to have two strikers to see the benefits for Darwin Nunez. And I think there was a benefit. Uh, maybe Shotter struggled a bit because of it. Uh, but he is, as he always is, a very unselfish player, isn't he? Shotter is very good at making runs, taking people away and whatever. So there's another one, isn't it? Does the short-term future involve cracking on with Darwin Nunez? And go and listen. There's only one place he's going to learn. There's only one place he's going to get his real confidence. That's on the pitch, scoring goals, isn't it? So you know, and, and do we trust that Mo Salah can play that role, which is more of a wide midfield player than a wide attacker? So yeah, there, there, there generally is a million things to to, to, to think about. In a, in a way, I think probably Klopp is, is is sort of enjoying it, isn't it? Because you know, sometimes when you just put him out to play, it, it, this is now on him, isn't it? You know, it's even the same with the fullbacks. You know, we unleashed the fullbacks in the way they played on the world and for a number of seasons they couldn't cope. Now they found a way of turning our strength into maybe our weakness. You know, so now it's almost over to club again because you've got to work as fullbacks. Let's get them in play again. You know, let's get them working again, whether that's the way they have been working or we find a new way of, of using them, isn't it? But we've got to find a way of them being amongst our main players again, isn't it? Because they're too good not to. Uh, but at the moment, I guess they can't carry on the way they were because the opposition have found a way of playing against them. Yeah, there's a couple of stories there um, coming out of what you've spoken about. We'll take the first guy first that you mentioned, and that's Darwin Nunes. And um, I think everybody's excited to see this kid start. Everybody's excited to see what he could do. Um, there's a really bizarre narrative going around. And hopefully you've been immune to it, but maybe you haven't because these things get legs which is saying that, um, you know, Liverpool are quite taken aback by his level of talent, <laughs> touch and skill and stuff like that. These kind of stupid rumours are going around. And, you know, it just, it's, it's embarrassing, Jan, because it, it, the idea that Liverpool, with their scouting system, could be taken aback by anyone's standard when we're as rigorous as we are about um, scoping players out just seems bananas. It's just... Why would anyone believe that? But you, you'd have to say it's been a mixed bag for the kid um, since he since he arrived. Started off like a world beater, then he had his his, his incidents. Uh, I, I thought he, his first two appearances were fantastic. The the charity shield or whatever it's called now, and then you know I thought he did very well when he came on as sub in that first game. Since then, like I say, it's been a mixed bag as a result of his own indiscipline to a certain extent. And then I thought the the Rangers game was very interesting. And my overall take, Jan, on it, and this is what I want to get out of you, is that it was probably a, a net negative um, because the ball wouldn't go in the freaking net. And at one stage, there's a whole headline in the mirror today talking about uh, Nunez's confrontation with uh, Virgil van Dijk. And you really go, oh, shit, is there another rift in the camp or something? 
it's just a bullshit story about how he turns to him at one stage and says, the ball won't go in the net for me, brother, right? That's all, that's all it was, just an expression of frustration. And that's what it felt like to me. It was very much one of those nights where you're looking at a guy and he could have been out there for two more games and just would not have gone in. And my take on it, Jan, was my own amateur appraisal was he reminded me of any time I was playing and I was trying to make a step up in standard, you're extra nervous and you take percentage options. You play safe balls. You take a shot that you make sure you connect with and it will invariably go straight down the middle and therefore to the keeper. And it had that feel to me. Uh, a lot of his shot execution uh, was by the numbers, um, get it on target. And you can see all the te- all the technique in the world is actually there. But if he had scuffed one of them or had driven one of them with the confidence of a lad who scored four in his last four to a corner, then, you know, it's a different outcome, obviously. And I, I, I really wanted him to stay on for the duration of that match, just in case one would go in off his arse. Um, what was your take on him, how he did what you made of that performance level and maybe even my assessment of the fact that do you think that he looked like he was not trying too hard, but a little bit nervous or something like that? No, I think he looks like he's trying too hard, you know, and I think that's only natural. And I don't think necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, you know, he, 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 he wants this desperately, doesn't he? You know, th- this is for him. He's looking at this as an end station, isn't he? There's nothing he would rather do than be in a Liverpool for 10 years and, and become a proper Liverpool legend who's banged in goals uh, for, for 10 consecutive seasons. So, yeah, maybe he's trying a little bit uh, too hard. He looks like a guy with no confidence, uh, and that's because of the lack of goals. Uh, so at the moment, he's not a control finisher, is he? Bobby Firmino is a control finisher, always have been. Nunez at the moment is not a control finisher. So all he makes sure is that he gets a good connection and that he hits the target. And even when he hits the target and the goalkeeper goes through his legs and then he hits his, his knee or his backside and goes out for the corner. So the boy's a little bit unlucky, isn't it? And I think the, the biggest issue is that I also think he's aware of the problems we've got trying to fit him in, you know, and the impact it's having on the way that we play. I think he's aware of that, you know, and because we haven't had a great start, I also think that weighs on his shoulders a little bit, isn't it? You know, I've come here and we've had to. I mean, go back, Trevor. When we changed, when was that, 2016? We changed Benteke out. Bobby Firmino was a false nine, yeah? That was a massive change in everything that we did, wasn't it? Mm. You know, and, and that was the key to so us being able to play that we, the way we played when we eventually got Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, isn't it? Now we've gone the other way. We've gone back to a traditional number nine and we need to find a way of getting the most, not just out of him, but everybody else around him, isn't it? And I think that weighs on his shoulders as well. He's aware that City have also, they've also had to change because of the boy they've got. But he's scored nearly 20 goals. So it doesn't weigh on his shoulders, does it? Whereas it does with Nunez, isn't he? He's thinking, we're changing the way that we're playing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes in the space that people like Mo Salah are good at uh, exploiting, isn't it? But, but that's because of the way I play. And so I think there's a number of things that's weighing on his shoulders. But the biggest thing is obviously the lack of goals. And I also think that I mentioned before, Haaland, that's another big thing, isn't it? Because they were the two big strikers, weren't they? Same age. Uh, they don't have a similar profit uh, uh, CV profile because Nunez comes on the back of one great season, whereas Erling has been banging him in ever since he was 18 or whatever, isn't it? But nevertheless, they were the two big ones, weren't they? And they were coming into what we all thought 
there's going to be the two clubs fighting it out for the championship. So I also think that it's a bit like going back to my day that when when it was Manchester United, prior to that, the first challenge that we had when I was here was Everton. Then it was Arsenal. But everything changed when it became Manchester United because it was Manchester United. And I and I think that's that's a similar thing, but this isn't it. Because there's other guys playing for Manchester City, it almost feels like he is taking it away from us, isn't it? And what is our response? Well, our response was meant to be Darwin Nunez. Um, and I think it might be a case in where we might have to just go, OK, it will happen, but maybe not as quick as we thought. In relation to him, and not to, to take the focus away from him for a second, there's a knock-on effect, as you mentioned, um, for the team. We have to adjust. We have to play around him in the way that we, as you said, I think it's really insightful, the way we learned to play around Bobby Firmino as a fulcrum. Now we're looking for Darwin Nunes to be part of that unit. Whether he's the central point of it or not is something that I don't think we've even made up our minds about from what I can see. Um, but the knock-on effect that's most notable for me is the form and effectiveness of Mo Salah. Um, that's not exclusively to do with Nunes at all, but it's to do with the fact that we are obviously changing things up as a team and Mo Salah's role has been notably changed, it would appear. Um, and it would appear that's a tactical thing. When he's in the team with Nunes, in those couple of little glimpses we got early on, I thought, Jesus, there could really be something here between these two guys. Um, I don't know, was there a whole lot to, 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 to recommend um, the partnership from Rangers? A couple of link-ups that I thought were quite in, in, encouraging. And I feel that the more time they're on the park together, just by dint of the fact that it's two good footballers, um, I think we'll start to see things happening there. Uh, I'd be very encouraged about that. And I'd be encouraged about it bringing Mo back into goal scoring form too. Um, would you say you find yourself leaning that way or more the opposite way that it's actually having a detrimental effect on our main man, Mo Salah? No, I don't think it's having necessarily a, a detrimental effect on the thing. But I do think that, and I've often spoken about the way that we used to play, everybody played 4-4-2 and we played 4-4-1-1. And, and, and I actually think that Klopp is looking for somebody to link that play for David Nunez because I'm not convinced that, that Nunez wants to do that job. Mm. You know, it's a bit like it's a bit like Haaland at, at City. He doesn't want to do that job either. You know, he wants to do something totally different, which is in the penalty area. And I think our boy is the same. Uh, he doesn't want to do that sort of link play. Uh, he wants more time to find his position. Uh, in the penalty area for when things are getting fired across us. And so these are all the things that that we need to find a solution for. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that's having a... I think Mo, Mo's probably got a bigger problem with that when Bobby or Sadio Mane dropped, then that space became his, didn't it? Uh, and, and that's no longer there. Uh, so we just have to find a, a different solution, which is not always easy, which is not always easy. I mean, goals, as we say, goals and games changes games and goals for a player changes careers, doesn't it? Uh, so we're just looking for this boy to really kick that. But you don't get in positions as he does, as often as he does. You know, and what did he score last last year? 30-odd or 40-odd goals or whatever it was. Uh, so he's more than capable. And we saw a controlled finish, didn't we, at Anfield, where he looked very composed uh, when he came there with Benfica. So short-term, I'm not overly concerned. Now that my long-term is, I just, I just don't know when it's going to go pop. And, and 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 he finally arrives and gives us what we hoped he was going to give us. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to see that swagger in his performance that we saw, as you say, when he came to Anfield and when we played them at their place. You know, a kind of a 
a confidence on the ball. He is that sort of bull in a china shop feel at the moment. And like you say, it's eminently understandable. The only other one I wanted to talk about before we have a look ahead to Arsenal and the return leg with Rangers, which will both be played before we chat again, um, is Trent Alexander-Arnold. And it's been done to death, so I want to take a different angle on it. You and I didn't get a chance to talk about this, really. It was the story of the layoff, uh, the international break was, uh, it looks as if he may not be, um, he may be surplus to requirements for for Gareth Southgate. And of course, that prompted all sorts of debate uh, and upset chat and and, and vindictive talk from opposition uh, supporters and stuff like that. There's word today that Kyle Walker may have picked up a knock and therefore you'd imagine that leaves our man right back in the shake-up. <laughs> I think a lot of us were just getting used to the idea that Trent wouldn't have to go uh, to the World Cup and that it might have the right kind of knock-on effect on him. The Brighton match would very much suggest that it didn't have a great impact on him. He was not the only one by a mile who was, who was well off the pace, but he was not himself. Far more signs of it. I know the free kick, yes, but there was a lot more of him on display against Rangers. And maybe he really needed that level of opposition to get a bit more comfortable playing his game again. That's how it feels to me. And I think it's in really good timing ahead of a challenging game of the weekend that he's back in some sort of form. Um, What did you make of all the chat about whether or not he was up to the task? Because to me, it just seems... Absolutely bananas, Jan. I mean, how many countries would give the right arm to have that boy in their national team? It seems bananas. I don't understand what Southgate's at there at all. No, but it does look like the manager of England, Gareth Southgate, has lost faith in Trent as a fullback. Mm. You know, of that, there's no doubt in my mind he's lost faith. Uh, I, I heard a stat uh, in the last 31 international, he's been involved in five. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of gives you an idea that that he's maybe not for Garrett, but as you rightly point out, Kyle Walker's had an operation and he's going to struggle to be fit for the for the World Cup. So Trent might be back in. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything worse for Trent in many ways if he had to go without playing, uh, mm. because there is players, and I've experienced that myself. You, you go into an international squad and it's different, and you know players are happy just to be part of a World Cup squad and whatever, isn't it? I don't think that quite ticks the box and the fancies of, of Trent. If, if, if he's, if he's going to go, he wants to play, doesn't he? Because he is genuinely a world-class player and you want to showcase your talent on the biggest stage of all, which is the World Cup, isn't it? So I don't really know. I mean, you can point to situations where he's looked poor as a defender. Uh, but, you know, I guess if you look at it all, uh, you know, and I didn't see it on Monday night, but, but by all accounts, Gary, Gary Neville did it. Uh, a thing about analysed uh, Trent's positional play and blah blah whatever but I'm sure if I look through Gary Neville's career I would find as many you know defensive mistakes as Trent's making isn't it you know I think it's just part of, of what you do isn't it and obviously now Trent has got a situation where teams see the spaces that the opposition are finding now against us they've always been there we were just very good at protecting our weaknesses. And that's a real strength of a team, isn't it? You know you've got weaknesses, but you protect them. So we used to be able to protect the spaces the opposition could play in because we were so good at our closing down. We were so good at all our covering, isn't it? So there's nothing new in terms of that. And let's not forget either that our fullback's problems begins when other players can't do their job. That's when our fullback problems begins, isn't it? 
Mm. You know, Trent and Rob will get exposed, but other players further up the field can't do their jobs. I don't say won't do their jobs, but can't do their jobs for whatever reason that is, isn't it? So there's so many things to it. Absolutely. It's so much more complex than it gets made out to be on those um, uh, Sky analysis segments, like you say. Um, And of course, we have come to the conclusion, at least most people with a functioning brain have come to the conclusion that an awful lot of the time those things are designed to get reaction as opposed to be maybe really pinpoint accurate analysis. So I think that is worth bearing in mind as well. You know, I said it's important that we have uh, Trent back in some sort of form because you mentioned earlier on we do face quite the challenge at the weekend. You're looking at an Arsenal team who are sitting top of the league and that's with, you know, Manchester City being what Manchester City have been this year. City, uh, Arsenal are still ahead of them by a point. Eight games played, uh, 21 points for Arsenal, 20 for City. And it's quite revealing that you go back to where Liverpool are and it's 10. Uh, we only have seven games played, to be fair, but it's still way too big of a gap and it's it's quite shocking uh to look at even just looking at it now even though i've looked at it yesterday and the day before it still really sticks in the craw to see where we have allowed ourselves to be and a season where you basically have won only two games uh, out of the seven well what else is going to happen you know four four draws and a defeat that's that's just it's never going to be anything like um title challenging form and it's not even top four form where you want to be getting two out of every three points on the board on average. I think that's been what Champions League has usually been uh, to achieve that. Um, So there's a lot to put right for Liverpool. And I, I find myself wondering, based on what you've seen of Arsenal, whether or not you think we're going to be able to do it against this lot. Because just for people who are sort of uh, maybe not as au fait with what's gone on with Arsenal in recent times. Last time out in the Premier League, they had a 3-1 win over Tottenham. Before that, they had a 3-0 win away at Brentford. Um, Before that, they had Europa League victory over FC Zurich. Now, Manchester United, in the outlier here, beat them 3-1 on the 4th of September. Um, I've heard that game described by one of our Anfield Index contributors as the game where they got a bit schooled, Um, a game where they actually came up against a half-decent outfit, which I don't think anyone was calling Manchester United at the time, and that that's what actually went wrong. Because their previous victories, 2-1 against Villa, 2-1 against Fulham, uh, 3-0 against Bournemouth, 4-2 against Leicester. Um, 2-0 against Palace Um, so there's quite uh, they they are on a hell of a run generally speaking what do you make of that suggestion first of all before we say anything else about them just that brief question that most of the opposition that they faced this season haven't been particularly impressive um, and when they had a team that had some sort of organisational ability and, and and a plan they struggled that seems harsh to me when you take Tottenham into account the weekend, although I didn't see that game. So I was at the uh, the Emirates on Saturday for Arsenal against Spurs. Right. And I have to be honest, prior to the kickoff, I very much have the Manchester United performance in the back of my head, thinking Arsenal now have today to prove that that was a one-off. And I think they did. Uh, they had a brief spell in the first half after Spurs equalised, where they were a little bit in trouble. Uh, but they changed things around a little bit at half-time and they went at them again 
Uh, and that plan that Antonio Conte had for Arsenal, Arsenal never fell into that. They never fell into that. They kept control of the game. Uh, and I thought they were very impressive. The one thing that worries me always when you, when you, is that it's the amount of attacking players you have to look out for. You know, Saka on the right, Martinelli on the left, Gabriel Jesus through the middle, and they've got two behind. Granit Xhaka, who's having a season of his life, and Martin Odegaard. So you, it's it's like five attacking players you got to keep an eye. It's a bit like when we are at our best, isn't it? You know, we had no passengers. You always had to. The front three was a nightmare, wasn't it? You know, and Arsenal's a bit the same. They 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 got so much ability. In a way, Trevor, they remind me a little bit of Liverpool about four or five years ago. You know, the first sign you see this is moving in the right direction. You know, whether Arsenal will ever be able to, whether they'll be able to get to the same level as Liverpool, I'm not 100% convinced. But there is a feeling that this ship is going in the right direction. There's an incredible atmosphere at the ground, which is the same thing happened. Anfield and it explodes and everybody goes, I'm on this and behind this, isn't it? But they are still a young team. And I do th- still think that they'll have those games in them. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is the way that we've been able to deal with Arsenal over the last few years. Because, like us, they have weaknesses, isn't it? And can we exploit those? We'll have to be at our best. Uh, can we exploit them? I, I'm really looking forward to the game. I, I, I think it's got real potential of being a really, really good game. Oh, absolutely. And it, it is interesting to look at how they are shaping up and what will really become of them over the course of a full season uh, and what will become of this manager's reputation over the course of a full season because I think an awful lot of people would think that the jury's a little bit out on on their gaffer still Um, but you can't argue with this lineup. it's been the same lineup for the last two games which were two nice wins the 3-0 over Bournemouth the 3-1 over Tottenham and that back four of uh, Ben White and Zinchenko and, and Saliba and, and Gabriel, that's that's interesting. Um, uh, Partey and, and Xhaka um, sort of as, as, as the more withdrawn midfielders. And then the three of Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli and Jesus ahead. That's been the unchanged lineup for the last two games. And that is a, an exciting team full of, of potential attacking threat. So you mentioned the idea of weaknesses. If there are any, maybe in the games that you've seen so far this season, or maybe from what you saw where Spurs had that little period of the game where, as you said, Arsenal looked a bit in trouble, what was it? Is it that they can be got at defensively, or do they perhaps have spells where they don't have that high press or or energy or work rate in terms of the attacking crew doing their, um, doing their shift? Where, where did you see uh, potential weakness? I, I always think when I see Arsenal and when it falls apart, and, 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 and let's say over the last two years, when it falls apart is when Arsenal lose control of a game they have control of. It's the same thing happens at Old Trafford. They're 1-0 down, they equalise in complete control. Mm. Ten minutes later, they're 3-1 down. And that's what happens to Arsenal. They lose control of games they have control over. And that's to do with erratic midfield players, Partey, and I know said before, I said Granit Xhaka is having a really good season, uh, but he is still erratic. And then when you look at the back four, I think Ben White has done really well as a right back, although he's a centre half. Saliba, Trevor looks a player. I have to, I have to be honest, looks a real player. Uh, the way he dealt with Son and Harry Kane and on Saturday, I thought it was very impressive. The other fellow I'm not a fan of, Gabriel. I think there's a mistake in him. 
And Sinchenko, we know Sinchenko, don't we? But he's not a, a, a strong defensive player. Uh, you know, he, he's almost like, a, well, he is a midfield player as a left-back, isn't he? So there is, there is ways of getting at them. But the first thing you have to get in order is to be able to cope with the Martinellis and, and the Jesus the, the of this world, isn't it? If we can control them, it's game on. Now, how we go about controlling them is going to be interesting. I mean, so much has been made of the shape change. But the shape change is one thing. The personnel change is another thing. You imagine Thiago Alcantara is going to play. Um, so if he's going to go with it too, does he stay with the captain or does Fabinho come back in? Across that front four, it's going to be hard to argue with Salah, Jota, Diaz and Nunes if we're going to keep this shape. Bobby Firmino has a shout. He could put his hand up and say, I can do what Diogo Jota is doing in a different way. Maybe link us up even more effectively. That's a valid option. Across the defence, I don't see how Klopp can change it too much unless he's thinking, well, Joel didn't have the greatest of nights, neither did Virgil, where, when they were being run at by directness from um, uh, Brighton players. So perhaps we do need a little bit of pace, but it's a big game to reintroduce uh, the likes of Anibu Kanate. So if you were to see any tinkering, where do you think it might be? Or would you see him maybe say, OK, well, this is now the team and the way the Klopp always has done in the past. This is the team. We're going to stick with this until further notice. I, I obviously think that the, the change, if there's a change, would be in formation. Uh, so we play a 4-4-2. But it's more like a 4-2-4, isn't it? Because of our attack mind and our two wide men is Salah and Diaz. But that would slightly worry me, Trevor. Pressing Arsenal with four players. Yeah. Because can Arsenal get through that press? That would then make us weak. And that would be my biggest concern. And I think that's the one thing that will keep Klopp awake is whether he thinks that two years ago it, it wouldn't have bothered me playing five up front and pressing with five because of the way that we did things. But at the moment, I'm worried about pressing with four, you know, and and and, and not having enough once Arsenal played through that press. And the one thing is Arsenal haven't been able to play through that press over the last four years. But that's because Arsenal... It's like somebody said... Arsenal is at a different level now. They are. But so are we to a certain extent, aren't we? We aren't quite the way we used to be, isn't it? So that's brought us closer together, isn't it? So that would be the only thing that worries me is that are we comes back to are we brave enough? Yeah, for long as club is our manager, we are brave enough, isn't it? But it would slightly worry me pressing with four guys uh, against people. Because as I said before, Shinchenko wants to play, doesn't he? And he'll play through and a Saliba with all his confidence. Isn't it? So that, that would be my biggest worry. It, 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 do we go with four? And then leave Henderson and Thiago maybe a little bit exposed in behind. I think can then they get through them as well, isn't it? Then 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 you are in trouble. What do you reckon then with all this identity talk, all this um sort of soul searching and press conferences saying, well, maybe we need to have a look at ourselves and change things up. Uh, and then we go and quite notably do that in the Rangers game to go back to four three three and then suddenly perhaps become porous again. Fuck, I can't think of too many worse things, Jan. No, I agree. You know, um, and for, you know, people to be shouting and moaning about how Jordan Henderson doesn't track again and how Trent is exposed again. And God, we could do without that, um, that, that rigmarole. So I wonder, I, I, I wonder, you talk about bravery, maybe 
do you see where I'm going with this idea? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's it's weird, isn't it? Like it's hard to see what he's going to do because we yeah. know, he, like you say, he's brave enough to fucking do yeah. anything. This lad, he could do anything, and he could just say, right, we've got the win under our belt. We're back to four three three. Just do your jobs, and it could work. It's just, it's it. it I, I agree with you completely. It's a fascinating setup. I want to skip ahead briefly to. Uh, the Rangers return leg because the way things have gone in the group now I think I'm right in saying that if we beat Rangers we only really need a positive result in one of our last two games I think that's how it's looking and that's a very nice position for us to be in considering how the group started Um, I don't think anything less than a a victory should be acceptable Um, and of course it's all going to be very much well, it shouldn't be, but it will be affected by what happens against Arsenal. Um, but for me, that it has the feeling of a must-win if we are to sort of get ourselves back on track. I very much back whatever Liverpool side went there to get that win, Yeah, and I have to say. And it's not to be disrespectful to Rangers in their own backyard, because I think they could probably play better and will probably be more direct and more aggressive um, and not allow us to play our way the way we were allowed to against them you'd have to still fancy us to to win that if not comfortably then just to get the job done they have one chance rangers overperforming and mm. i think they will overperform but i still don't think it'll be enough you yeah. know and, and and i think club has already got the plan with the rangers game in between those two premier league games i think he more or less already knows who goes to play at ibrox and he will know based on what he's seen in the first game that that's that's going to be enough. Uh, I have absolutely no doubt about that. And you keep saying, but you know, Rangers is is, is running up a steep hill, aren't they? You know, playing in Scotland is very, very difficult for them. Is then they are just they are a bang average Champions League team. That's just the way it is, isn't it? And I think they found they found it a real eye opener. It's it's been a while since they've been in there, and I think they found it a real eye opener, isn't it? You know how difficult it is. And I don't think anything will change next week. We'll go there. We'll win. Comfortable, I don't know, but we'll win. Well, you've already started the ball rolling here for the very last section of the show, which is where I ask you how you think it's going to go. Now, obviously, the Arsenal, <laughs> the Arsenal one's an interesting shout. So just in terms of the how you see both of those Reds fixtures going before we get the chat next, Arsenal at the weekend and Rangers then in Europe. But you've already told us you reckon there's a, a win for us uh, at Ibrox. How do you see the game going against Arsenal? I think anyone watching this, there won't be in any doubt that I'm, I'm quite impressed with the way that Arsenal are doing things. You know, the players they've had there over the last two years have improved and they've improved again with the signing of some really, really good players, isn't it? I think we'll take a point. Uh, I've just got this idea that it's going to finish 2-2. And I think we can live with that. You know, you, you take small steps uh, and you get back towards something that you want to... And I think a point away at Arsenal, the way they're playing at the moment, I actually think that's a good point. I know we have this thing about we always beat Arsenal and it's always 3-4-5, and five, isn't it? But the tide is slightly changing, isn't it? So I would I would take a good performance, uh, being able to have something in our second play uh, that causes them some problems, isn't it? So yeah, two two. Two two and uh, Rangers narrow victory, or do you think it'll be fairly resounding? It might be a narrow victory by the scoreline, but I think in terms of control, you know, I think it'll be the same as it was at Anfield. We, even at 1-0, Trevor, you you never sat there and thought, you know, this is about to happen, isn't it? And I think it'll be the same at Ibrox, and I actually think it might be the same scoreline that we're going to beat them 2-0. 
Lovely. I am very, very much looking forward to these games. I have to say both of them. It's a weird thing, Jan, isn't it, when things start to go against you? Maybe it's the uncertainty. Uh, there's an excitement level to that that we haven't been used to. We've just been used to battering teams. So uh, I am looking forward to this. It will be exciting. I look forward to chatting to you about it next week. Hopefully um, we'll be free to do it um, next Thursday, but I'll work that out with you in the meantime. So listen, man, again, took you all around the heads. So thanks again for another excellent show. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, but it's difficult to look forward to games. I'm not sure, isn't it? We've never ran away from games. We always thought let's play three or four weeks, you know, now it's maybe slightly different because what happens at Arsenal will have an impact on what happens at Manchester City, isn't it? But the games are there and we have to play them and we have to be ready. Yeah, have to be ready and hopefully some lads will start putting their hands up and making themselves the heroes of the hour. That's what we're all hoping for anyway. So from myself and from Jan Malby, this has been Malby on the Spot and we'll be back next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At US Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.